Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at Relate365.com, which we're located up on the campus of Silver Ranch and Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a year-round Christian camp and a year-round uh, one-year Bible program that you could be a part of. Um, yep. at any, love, really at any point of life. Yep, I love teaching Nicolay Bible Institute. So if you're a student, you've finished college, you just finished, you're tired of the college you're at, or you're just getting out of high school, check out NicolayBibleInstitute.org and come see us for a year. That's right. And we'll work with you. I and if you it. want to visit us, come visit us. We'll put you up for free, get you exposed to what the students do. We might even ask you questions and put you on this program. Yeah. You never know. You never we know. We might not, too. It just yeah. depends. Because We don't want to scare you away. No, I don't want to scare you. And Dave is pretty I'm a scary guy. Nice. I'm a scary you, guy. You thought I was going to say scary. I was going to say you're pretty nice. I'm a scary guy, except for children like me. So I, I think... I think people have an intimidation factor with you. Yeah, not if they're eight years old. Not no, not eight years old. But for some reason, yeah, like I don't know, you just have a certain aura. Well, my dad warned me when I was a kid. He he told me that I always looked like I was going to kill somebody, and that I needed to realize that. Interesting. Um, because he said, really, down deep in your heart, you wouldn't hurt a fly, but it looks like you always want to. I've seen you kill flies before. Oh, I have. I have a new way to do it too. I've got this. <laughs> I've got this clear little tape stuff I put on the window, and it and and the flies just stick to it. Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me you have a salt shooter. No, man, this is great. I I've, I've been wanting. I didn't. You know, they have those things that hang from your ceiling that they get on, or sticky tape or whatever it is, but it's so ugly. Yeah. But I found this clear stuff, so the window stays clear. And whenever I build a fire in the winter in my uh, little study room, like four billion flies appear. Wow, I'm surprised you can count that high it, so it, fast. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It, but here's what's really weird about it. You can answer this for me because you, you look like you were educated. Okay. How do flies come from nowhere to fully mature and fly around my room? I, where are they? They're, they're hiding in your walls. And they're mature? No. Well, they're like stagnant. And then they just go poof. I don't have holes in my walls. It's metamorphosis. Are you, uh, are you saying I have holes in my walls? No, I'm just saying you have magic in your walls. I'm telling you, it's weird. It's kind of like the Asian beetles. Exactly, that but I don't like have ladybugs? those anymore. Not anymore. Oh, you had them. I used to have some, but I don't now. It's flies, and and they come out. You know, again, this time of year, nice warm fire. The room gets warm, and all of a sudden, there's flies buzzing everywhere. But this time of year, they're lethargic. They are, and they get stuck on those little things I put on the window, and it's fun. I think last count, I had eighteen there struggling. <laughs> so I'm thinking this is good for me. I. You uh, flies are flying funny. all around, driving me absolutely insane. And uh, those are things in in life that are so minor. I understand, but that's right. Don't so hopefully, uh, hopefully, Pete doesn't care about your struggling flies. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You know, we were talking uh, the last podcast. We were talking about this guy Victor Frankel, and that's you right. found out he was he did die. He did die in 1997. And if you missed that podcast, I encourage you to head over to relate 365com Go to the Younger Old Podcast and look for I think it was episode 191. Yep. Is what it, it was. was. So. Hey, you know what's interesting to me, again, is guys like Victor Frankel, guy, people like Corey Ten Boom, people like Johnny Erickson Tata. Yep. Those names are mysterious to anyone listening. Go look them up. Yeah. These are people who have gone through some really traumatic things, and they've gone through them successfully. Mm -hmm. You don't want to talk with people and get ideas on how to not go through things. Right. You want to talk to those who have gone through them. Successfully. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, like Jesus. He went through crucifixion, came out pretty good. I would say so. Yeah. So you want to know about life, look at the Bible. You want to know 
about uh, what people learn that have gone through concentration camps, gone through beatings, gone through um, things like Johnny Erickson Tata where she broke her neck and from a young age couldn't move her body. Yeah. And she's still doing things right now that are – she paints with her mouth, with a paintbrush. She does all kinds of things. That I can't even paint with my hands. Dude. I can't either. I, have you ever seen her paintings? They're, they're insane. I, I'm thinking, how did you do that with your mouth? I can't even do it with my fingers. That's no. what I'm saying. No. Did you ever see those people play with their, their feet, like the piano? Yes. I, That's how? impressive. Yeah. I can never move my toes that way. <laughs> I, no I, idea. I, can I admit I don't want to see you move your toes yeah, that I, way? You can. <laughs> you can. And what if you had, like, toenail fungus? Uh, like I said, I don't yeah, want you to know see what I mean? I, re- I would have to put, like, nail polish on, and I'm a guy, and I don't do that. Mm. I know everyone's rolling their eyes, like, "Oh, Dave, you're stereo." No, I'm a I'm a 63 year old guy. I promise you, I'm not using nail polish. I I don't. <laughs> I just don't do that. I've never even seen you in flip flops. No, because I don't. I don't like flip flip flops. I don't like them. I'm going on record. It. I don't like them. You know why I don't like them? It why? hurts in between my toes. Well, you get the softer ones. Okay, I don't have. I've never had a pair of softer flip flops. Oh, okay. I would get you one, but I know you wouldn't wear them. No, I wouldn't. So I I can't I, because of my age. I wear I, impression socks, and so you, I'm not wearing flip flops. <laughs> so yeah, are you, are you a sandal with socks sort of person? I no, because because I wear these because I have to. I've had blood clot problems, so I have, oh. I have these compression socks. So no, I have to wear shoes. Gotcha. And I have to wear long pants in the summer. So I'm one of those weird old guys that's 94,000 degrees out, and I'm wearing long pants because I have to. Otherwise, it looks – I never got into the guys wearing, like, shorts and knee socks and sandals. Mm. Yeah. Well, but wasn't that your generation it that was, did that? It was, but I, I still yeah. – <laughs> And the headband. Yeah, and the headband. I mean, we, we, we celebrated our 50th summer yeah. a couple of years ago, and that was our, our – our our uniform yep. was the tall socks, the yeah, headbands, and the I shorts. Know. And I still have headbands, and I still use them, and I'm I'm not ashamed to use them. But there you go. Um, anyway, back to this Victor Frankl guy. Back to we, we can actually learn something from him. Yes, yes. Um, he was again. He, he talked about how conditions shouldn't dictate what you do, how you do it. I mean, that they, they could be very difficult conditions, mm-hmm. but you can always do what's right and do what's best. And overcome the conditions you're in. Mm-hmm. I think that's a message for your generation. You, yeah. you don't have to wait for the conditions to be right to have a good attitude. Mm-hmm. You don't have to um, t- to think in terms of I need I need to have you know the money that I should. I need to have the people around me that like me. What if you're like Viktor Frankl? You're in a German Nazi prison camp, and and they're killing people left and right, and you're on the list to die. And all these soldiers are looking at you with hatred and making fun of you. How do you maintain a good attitude? Because it'd be really easy to just say, you know what, it doesn't make any sense. Um, you need to get in this guy's brain yeah, and figure out what he knew. And the only way to do that is, is read his books, read his literature. Um, a Man's Search for Meaning is one of the, the books that he wrote that I would send you to to, uh, to read that because I think everyone's searching for meaning. Yeah. Um, anyway, he says, even though prisoners um, were in these bad situations, those that he could convince to shave, to look good, um, to even, they would even talk about what foods they used to like because they didn't get enough food. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about that time. 
but they weren't afraid to to talk about life and life issues yeah in the middle of all the deaths and it's those guys that that made it uh in life um he was talking about how how it's amazing how adaptive the human body can be mm. um, and i'm finding that out as i get older your your body adjusts to different things then it, it adjusts in good or bad ways depending on what's going on what you're doing for example if you the, i i have narcolepsy which some people that listen know um which it doesn't really affect me in these broadcasts at all but i i've studied the idea of sleep very much because of narcolepsy if you don't know what that is it's where you can just all of a sudden you're not there you're sleeping you could do it in the middle of a conversation. You could do it. I've know, yet to have you do that on me. Because I'm always on medicine when you're around me. Oh. So when you're on medicine, you So I should hide your pills when you're around me next time. You should. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. We could be either doing it in the middle of a younger and older and all of a sudden be like, Dave. Yeah, well, the, the funny thing is the medicine makes it so I don't have to do it, but I still could do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's not a moment throughout the day where I don't feel like sleeping. Really? Oh, yeah, I oh. feel like it hmm. all the time. I always feel like Wow, that. I didn't know that. If I go into a store, believe it or not, I don't say these things aloud because people think you're absolutely nuts. But I would look and say, man, right over there on the floor would be a great spot to just lay down. Hmm. I mean, I feel like doing that. I yeah. feel like going to sleep wow. um, 100% of the time. Now, I don't know if there's narcolepsy plus something because that not every narcoleptic feels that way all the time. Right. But narcolepsy is a very misunderstood disease there's really very few people that actually have it mm -hmm. um, so if you think you have it you really should get a check because it's a whole different ballgame if you do and there are different circumstances with each body type and each I can imagine yeah. yeah but one of the things I've learned is that it's really not about you know I can be tired all the time and still function right it's not the circumstances of my life that will dictate what I do, what I don't do necessarily. Right, because you could go the opposite way. You could be like, man, I have this narcolepsy, and so I'm just going to sleep all day yep. and do nothing about it. Yep. And then you wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Now, I don't even know. I haven't really checked if narcolepsy is on the disability list or not, but my mind frame has always been I am not going there. Right. You know, if I can work, if I can do things, then I'm not going to go – on the disabled list and I'm not just, I'm not gonna do it because mm -hmm. it's not right to do if I can figure out how to do this. And I am, I'm on some very powerful uh, medications that um, are abused by some people, these medications, but I'm actually prescribed them Yeah, because they make my brain work real fast. Mm -hmm. And that's really what narcoleptics do to stay awake is they have to stay engaged in the world around them. Yeah. So, and you've been around me. I mean, I'm, if, if I'm always trying to think of something, do something, if you, present a problem to me I'm trying to figure out a solution before you're done telling me the problem that's just the mind on on medication it's working very fast mm -hmm. um, so this drug is also that I'm on is abused right uh, it's abused by people who want a little bit of an advantage um, as far as I understand this medication was developed for the military oh really yeah interesting for people who do night shifts oh and uh, some people with night shift disorders use this medicine as well. Hmm. Like they need to be wide awake at one in the morning yeah. for whatever job they're doing. Right. And they might use this medication as well uh, for that. So that's the kind of medicine I'm on. But it, all my life, I have, from either my parents or whatever it might be, I've realized that the circumstances of life should not dictate 
what I actually accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, yes, I'm not going to be a basketball player. I don't have the height. I don't have the jump, whatever it might be. But that's not the circumstances I'm talking about. The circumstances, uh, like Viktor Frankl, he, he was put in a prison camp. Mm-hmm. He had no choice. He only got so much food. He was in there with a bunch of people with very poor hygiene, very poor outlook. He was either going to just moan and groan and go down with all of them, or he was going to do what he could to stand out and make it, and he, he chose to stand out. Mm-hmm. He just got great quotes of things. I mean, you found some quotes. Yeah, he actually you? says, the one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. The last of one's freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. And Absolutely. that's what you've been talking about, is that you know, it's your, your attitude is your choice. Mm-hmm. So you can either have a good attitude towards it and say, all right, how can I make the best of this situation? Or you could go the other route and be like, you know what, it is what it is, and I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, you know, and if you allow your circumstances to control you, you end up with a victim mentality. Yeah. In other words, what you've actually done is allow everybody else to control you. Mm-hmm. And no matter how strong you think you are, like, oh, I'm doing my thing. No, you're not. You you need to be able, Look in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 11, you got people that did the weirdest things. And they did them because they understood they were right to do because God said to do them, and they just did them. Yeah. The circumstances weren't conducive to it. I mean, when Noah built a boat in the middle of a mountain and told people, you know, it took them. Think about the tenacity it took to do that. I mean, it took them over 100 years to build this thing. Yeah. And people are going, how, how old was he? He was 500 when he started. They lived longer back then. Yeah. Can you imagine God coming to an old guy and saying, I want you to build a boat in a mountain. And when you're done, it'll float. In, in their time, when how are you going to get to the mountain? And by the way, when it's done, uh, animals will come out and join you on this boat. Mm-hmm. No, nothing about that. That doesn't make sense. Right. Now, imagine the people around him for 100 years making fun of him. Imagine the massive job it was to build that boat. Right. That was a big boat. Somehow, this guy was unique. Yeah. And his circumstances were such where he knew who to listen to. And it wasn't everybody else. It was God. Yeah. And he knew that, and he did it. And in the end, he was victorious. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the simple lesson right there. It doesn't matter whether you think it makes sense or not. It matters whether you listen to who's right. And God is right, so you need to listen to him. And in life, you're going to find out some other people may be uh, as well. Um, It's kind of interesting. He goes on, he talks about, um, example, this guy was a psychiatrist, so he understood the mind. He said, the textbooks would have us believe that you can't function function with X amount of sleep. And I, I read that and I go, yeah, because, um, you know, you, my normal good sleep, by the way, with this is four hours. Wow. So I do s- stay in bed longer and I sleep poorly around it, but it's about four. So I understand what he's saying. Um, but he said here, false. It isn't the amount of sleep. People convince themselves that they can sleep only under particular conditions. So I, I, I just got to read this because we're in America. He says, wrong. Beds in the huts were stacked in tiers with nine men assigned, nine men assigned to a six by eight foot board and given two blankets. Hmm. Nine men, six by eight foot that had to sleep in that. Inmates would lie on their sides so that all nine could fit on the plank. Wow. 
People would use their arm or a shoe as a pillow. Even under these conditions, even with fellow sardine snoring inches from your face, you would sleep soundly and were even thankful for the collective warmth during the frigid winter season. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> what kind of mind do you have to have to be able to sleep in those conditions and actually sleep? Yeah. Um, but he was saying again that you choose your attitude. You may not choose your circumstances, mm -hmm. but you're going to choose your attitude. Yeah. Uh, and I think people in our first world country here in the United States could really use a dose of Viktor Frankl on that. He said, despite lack of dental care, they weren't caring for these guys' teeth, many prisoners' gums were never stronger. People got used to wearing the same clothes for six months. Bathing was an infrequent event, but somehow cuts usually didn't become infected. Hmm. Now, you start looking at it going, you know, everything I've learned about, is it didn't work there. Right. Um. He said, under the camp conditions, food became a, preoccupy, a preoccupation of conversation, imagination, and dreams. So, so food became a major thing for him. Um, he, it basically, his, he said, the appetites of the human being change. Mm -hmm. um, he said, normally, people would have all these sexual desires, whatever. You don't have that in a prison camp in Auschwitz. There was none. Mm -hmm. Um because what, what was happening was you were looking at how to survive. Yeah. And survival is what brought you enjoyment. Mm. And it wasn't that you had anything to add to the survival. You're trying to just make it another day, uh, which is interesting. Um, when he went on and, and he talked about whatever reserves of fat and muscle inmates had talking about food, it disappeared as the body consumed itself. People began to die in succession that fellow prisoners became apt at accurately predicting. They used to predict when somebody would die, be a kind of like a taking bets or, you know, whatever else. You keep them occupied. Wow. Um, I know I, these are conditions that you and I can't even wow. fathom. Yeah. But what would you do if you were in a place like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta come up with. What, what would you do? What would you talk about? What would you? There's nothing to do all day. You stand there all day and look at each other. Mm-hmm. And there's no food, and there's there's nothing to do. Right. He still had a good attitude. That's why I think, go read his book. But the truth was that even in living, we're already corpses. Even though living, we were already corpses. Skeletons draped with skin, corralled into huts, hemmed in by barbed wire. Everyone longed for a time when they would eat quality food once again. The dream about eating again kept some alive. Mm. So what they started to think about was one day, mm -hmm. one day. We could get so lost in the moment, of the pain of the moment. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen where, where you could get um, absorbed by what you're in the middle of, and if you would just wait a, a week? Oh, yeah. It's totally different in a week. Absolutely. That's hard, by the way. Mm -hmm. Especially certain personalities. Right. Um, if you're more extroverted, and, and that's not good or bad. I'm just saying if you're more extroverted, the moment controls you a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. If you're more introverted, the moment doesn't really control you because you're not thinking in terms of just this moment. Mm -hmm. If you're more extroverted, what happens is when, when you're sick, you're not just sick, you're dying. 
and the whole world is stopping. And so what you need to do is have people around you that see it a little differently than you. And in the prison camps, no doubt there were people that were surrounding them that had different personalities that could see it differently. And whoever taught them to dream a little bit about the future. Dreams keep people alive Yeah. in situations like this. And I think dreams give us life. Um, to dream about what God could do with a life that's yielded to him, I think could be something that really gives you um, incentive each day to, to get up and enjoy life. You know, right. I'm thinking you got three boys. You yeah. Know? How in the world do you teach them ab about this Vic Victor Frankl stuff? I mean, how do you? Right. How do you do it? Well, I think you start in the little moments because even as you're talking there, I thought of even this summer when we faced the storm here at Silver Birch Ranch. You know, we had to shut down camp for a time, and then there was like this, this, this period of time where we didn't know how long it was going to last in terms of we wake up. And we knew that we needed to start cutting wood and moving it. Right. And it was like that for at least a solid seven days. And not right. only that, that solid seven days, we didn't have any power. And so you created like a new norm. Yep. You know, and you were just thankful for the little things you had, you know, and even when it like even with our boys, it came to the point of, all right, we need to bathe. Well, we can't do that in our house. Let's go down to the lake, you know, and you adapt. And in those little things, you show them the appreciation you have for the everyday things that you take for granted, right? you know, and it just brings you a different perspective within our first world culture. You know, like you go back to the earlier in the episode when you, when you said that you took your family to a third world country to help them see that. I think there is, there's ways within our current context without having to go to a third world country where you can be reminded of the things that you take for granted to help put you in a situation where it's like, you know what, regardless of the circumstances, yep we could choose to, to live with a certain attitude. And I think that's important. And you, you were able to, I mean, being a, somebody who was here, you were able to see almost that dynamic working in all of our summer staff volunteers. Right. You know, as the days waned on, there was people that responded differently. You yep. know, there was people that hunkered down and had a great attitude and others that weren't used to it. And so they struggled a little bit more. And that was totally fine. It was a learning curve for all of us in that, in that regard. Yeah. But I think what... Victor's getting at here is that, you know, when it comes to circumstances and your attitude, there's always a choice you can make, you know, and make the best of it because oftentimes the circumstances are out of your control, but it's what God has dealt to you. And, and, and part of choosing the right attitude is choosing to depend on God in those moments. Yeah. And that's the important thing is that, you know, even in the book of James, it talks about, you know, at some point in life, we're going to face these trials and these circumstances that may or may not make sense to us. And it might be difficult. And that's when we have to choose to have the right attitude and choose to lean on God. Why? Because it says that's where perseverance causes our love for God to grow stronger. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the core principle behind this, you know, because I don't know whether or not Victor was a believer or not, yeah. you know, but the, I think the principles that we're talking about are very much a biblical principles that we can apply to our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very interesting as you go through, you realize that um, the struggles in life often give you the greatest opportunity to redefine what's important. Yeah. And if you haven't defined what's important, the struggles in life destroy you mm -hmm. because what's important can't be taken away by the struggles. Yeah. It can't. Right. You know, and if you think, boy, if I, if I lost my job, life would be just terrible. Then I think you don't understand what's really important. Mm -hmm. It's not unimportant. I, I'm, I'm not saying your work is unimportant. What I'm saying is that 
the, the poor people in life, the people that make $12 a year, enjoy each other and they enjoy God. Yeah. They enjoy the evenings together. The stuff that they enjoy can't be taken or bought. It can't be taken away. Like, the only thing that'll take it away is death. Yeah. And one day God says, if you're in his family, you'll be with him and you won't get it taken away ever again. So the important thing in life is really the relationships you're in the middle of. Mm-hmm. Those, that's what's important. Uh, people prepare for things all differently. When we had that storm, yeah, a lot of people went in the lake. I happen to be allergic to the lake, believe it or not. So huh. I don't go in it. So I had a different dilemma. Yeah. But I know that. We have a generator. We are on wells. I had water pumping. I just had to take cold showers. Right. And as suffering as that was in our first world you know, right, world, right. The, the, most of us adapted quite well. Yeah. And most of us had attitudes where we were we were fine. Totally. You know, I mean, in fact. And it almost became a memorable experience for a lot of people. Yeah. In a good did. way. Yeah. Victor said this, too. He said, under the crushing physical and mental conditions, the spiritual life could still be cultivated. Mm. So, again, I'm not sure everything he believes spiritually. Right. But he was saying, you know what? There are things that no human can take away from you. Yeah. Um, When I think about that, I think, you know what? No human can take away from me the fact that God loves me. Yeah. That, that, That I am important to him. That Jesus died for my sins that I will meet him one day, that he can... Nothing can change that. I don't care what the circumstance is. It, it doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. What does change? I don't know. I might not have a house. I might be poor. You know, I might be disabled. I, I mean, I don't know. Those things all change in life. Um, and the one thing that's constant, obviously, is that change is constant. It yeah. will happen. So what in life won't change? It's God my relationship with him, my relationship with people. Uh, when I was younger, an older guy told me once, why don't you just put your time and energies into whatever you can take with you for eternity? Yeah. And of course, as a young man, I said, what's that? And then he just sat there. Oh, that's only people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that's what's important. Yeah. So make sure that you know, when Victor Frankl, and again, I encourage you to read his book, he, he just basically learned some very valuable lessons that he was able to share with us about the importance of relationships, the idea of the mind and how circumstances don't control you. Um, it, and he has the right to say these things because he lived through a, a horrendous deal. Yeah. Uh, likewise, go to Corey Temboom, go to um, uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. These people... You may not agree with everything they say, but they have the right to say what they say because of the things that they went through in life and the things that they've learned. Yeah. And I hope that our audience um, will be people who don't allow circumstances to dictate what's important to them. Absolutely. And uh, they need to keep tuning in and help allowing us to help them get there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is an episode that I think could be really encouraging because we're all going to face different circumstances or situations where it'll challenge the attitude that we face it. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from Victor in this sense, uh, because it's a biblical principle. You know, we, we need to depend on God. We need to just say, hey, you know, the circumstances can't dictate the way that we look at the situation, no matter how bad the situation is. And so if you jumped in late on this episode, I encourage you to go back and, and re-listen to it. Head over to Relate 365. 
Facebook.com. And uh, you can download this podcast or even re-listen to the first part of this podcast because um, we kind of started in the last episode. But that's all the time we have for here today. So this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. We will see you here next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye.